All right. Well, good morning. There we go. All right. All right, well, good morning. How are you all today? We're glad to have you. We're glad that you chose to be with us today. And uh, if you're our guest, uh, we're thrilled to have you with us. Now, normally we have second through fifth graders in the room with us and we dismiss. So if you if any of you are still in the room, then head on to Kidmo. Kidmo's, uh, they're meeting the entire worship time today. Normally they worship with us for, a, for a, a time and then they are dismissed for their own time of teaching and small groups and games and things. So uh, if you're in here, head on. Uh, but we are glad that you chose to be with us and we know it's a little bit tight in here. So uh, hopefully it's cool enough. Are you cool enough in here? Okay, good. Right, I can't help you if you don't look cool or feel cool, but hopefully you are not really warm. Um, But we're thrilled that you chose to be with us today. Uh, As you can tell, we're still kind of moving in this facility. We're still getting our bearings on a few things. We're still putting some things up, hanging stuff on walls and things like that. And so that's going to take us a little longer than we anticipated, but we are thrilled to have you here. It blows my mind that it has been hot for so many weeks, and on the day we have water slides, it decides to be 50 degrees in the morning. 
That is the journey way. So if you have not been to journey before, let me just let you in on a little secret. We don't tell a lot of people if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong when we do it. So we embrace that. We welcome it and we're stronger for it. But uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. And we hope that we've got enough power putting all the slides up. Uh, We've got all kinds of stuff for you to hang around with. Now, if you came dressed up, then I'm going to encourage you, you can stay just as you are. Or if you want to run home, change, put in something more comfortable and come back, you can do that as well. We're going to be here all afternoon. Kids can play. We've got uh, big grills. We're going to be cooking hamburgers and hot dogs. We've got crafts and games and cotton candy and all kinds of good stuff. So if you've got kids, you can know that your kids will not be taking a nap today or probably for the next three days with the amount of sugar they're going to probably have in them by the time they leave here. But we are thrilled that you chose to be with us today. And uh, today we're starting a new series called Hope. It's a series that I think not only do we need as a church, it's what our community needs, it's what our world needs right now because we are struggling with that. Uh, I I, I want you, as you begin to think through uh, these next few weeks with me, I want you to begin thinking about what kind of hope do you have in your life? How do you experience hope and what are you placing your hope in? If we literally go and look at the definition of what is hope, according to Webster's, it is this, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Now, the problem with the definition for hope is that it in no way encompasses what hope really means to us, what it is for us. And likely you don't really understand how important hope is until you have that moment where you realize that you lost it. At the point that we've lost hope, we recognize not not only how important it is, but how much of a loss when we don't have it. Now, there are lots of different kinds of hopes. We all have different hopes and dreams. We all have different hopes right now in this moment. We have different hopes. We go back to work tomorrow or kids go back to school tomorrow. We have all kinds of different hopes. I do hope that this cool weather will stick around. Anybody else? Summer's had its day. It's time for the fall. I'm ready for it. I hope that this cool weather sticks around after today. today. Yeah. Well, no, this is perfect, Moji, year-round. This is what I'm looking for year-round. But anyways, yes. Some of you have been eyeing somebody special, and you hope that when you ask them out on a date that they will say yes. That's a type of hope, right? I hope. That they will say yes. I've shared my story with asking Deidre out. It took three hours of playing poker before I finally got up the nerves to say, hey, let's go out on a date. And so she said yes. And I'd like to say the rest is history. But those of you who know our story know it didn't quite go like that. But we hope that they'll say yes, right? We hope at one point that they may say, yes, I will marry you. There's a type of hope that says, I hope that they will... Hook into my life and we'll do the rest of this thing together. There's a hope that we won't get sick this year. Some of you have given up on that hope already as your kids go into daycare and go into different places. Y'all just come on in. Make your, if you guys could, maybe on the, if you're some space in the middle, just kind of scoot in. We're a little tight. I will tell you up front, as we continue to be tight, Over the next few weeks, our goal will be to move to a couple of services happening on Sunday morning to be able to use this space more effectively and so you don't have to sit on each other's laps. Um, We prefer you not sit on each other's laps today 
Because I want you to stay focused on what's happening here. But come on in. We've got some chairs in the back if we need to pull those out for y'all to have a seat in. I hope I won't get sick this year. The, the reality is I'm probably going to get sick this year. It's a type of hope. I, some of you were praying for my mom this week. We were hoping that mom's heart cath wouldn't be worse than it was, and it wasn't. They said, you have the arteries of a 16-year-old, which then all of a sudden takes the fear of, oh, my, what could this be to, why did you do this in the first place, right? So our hope was realized, and now that hope is over. We don't have to hope that she won't have to have open-heart surgery. We have all kinds of different hopes. I hope I can enjoy retirement. I hope I can retire, right, some of you. Some of you aren't worried about that yet. Some of you are in the middle of it. A lot of times what we know about hope is that sometimes hope disappoints, doesn't it? There are some times that we have great hopes and they just don't work out. Some of you were hoping that Tennessee would beat Oklahoma yesterday and your hopes reached a fevered pitch around the second quarter and then began to dwindle like mine did for the next two. Yeah, still getting over it. <laughs> All right. So some of us hoped and our disappointment is evident. Some of us hoped we could change our significant other. I could change her. She could change me. We'll get married and then I have an entire lifetime to fix them. And some of us are disappointed, right? Because it didn't quite work out that way. We hoped we could do that. Some of you had hopes and high hopes that you would have more fun in life. You would make more money. You would have more friends. Life would just be better. And I see it over and over again. Adults telling children, hey, enjoy it now because it just gets worse from here. And that is a statement based in losing hope through their life. Because I don't know about you. I do not want to go back to being in school. (laughs) I I enjoy being an adult, and I believe the best years are ahead, not where you have been. But once you begin to believe that the best years are behind you, it's because you have been disappointed in the hopes that you had. Sometimes hope disappoints. We also have the kind of hope that you would expect us to talk about here, which is an, an eternal hope. What is the kind of hope that propels us into life after death? I hope that when I die... There is life after, and it will be a good life. So there are all kinds of hopes that you and I can have. There are all kinds of hopes that we can have in this world. There are all kinds of things that we can latch our hopes to. There are people we can have hope in. There can be circumstances that take away our hope. There are lots of options within this world. But what we know is that we are living in a world of decreasing hope. You just look around and you see hope disappearing. Hopelessness is growing. It is taking root in people. And they are refusing to believe that the best is ahead. Instead, they believe the best is over. Now, some of you, your hope is latched to a political party. And so depending on which political party is in office, your hope rises or your hope falls. Some of you, your hope is in something that will never be able to fulfill it. And that is this idea of a lifestyle that you've always dreamed of, 
but there seems to always be something in the way. And so we get angry, we get frustrated, we're disappointed. As we look around what's going on around our world, I walked in to Walmart this morning to pick up some water for this afternoon and I saw a Chattanooga police officer getting out of their car. We see overall many police forces across our nation are losing hope. If you think the national headlines that go on in other parts of the country don't happen here, many of you saw yesterday that Cleveland police are now actively aware of people saying they're going to ambush them. They're losing hope. I tell you, when our police lose hope, we are in trouble because that's when we no longer have those boundaries to help our society stay in a way that's healthy. So there's all kinds of ways that we're losing hope. As the church, we look around the number of churches who have closed their doors and we just begin to lose hope. As we watch the news and we see what's going on around the world, because you and I, it is so easy to get keyed into what's happening right here in this place, in this time, in my immediate circles. Sometimes we forget or we ignore or we just don't notice what's going on around the world. And yet, many of you are aware that we're in one of the largest refugee crises in our time, one of the largest in, the no, in known history. We have refugees that are seeking asylum all over the world I just it, it had no idea until CNN ran a story this week how many Syrian refugees there really are. Did anyone see this this week? There are roughly 20 million Syrians. There are 10 million still living in their homes. Let that sink in. 10 million living in their homes. Six and a half million are in the country, but they have fled their homes. And 4.1 million have actually left the country. And so that means 10 million have been displaced and 10 million are still at home. Half of all Syrians are now refugees. What we're seeing around the world and what ISIS is doing, we're seeing refugees fleeing. We're seeing mass terror. Do you know what the goal of terror is? Terror, right? (laughs) It's to kill hope. See, any plan in order to dominate another nation is to take their hope away so that they will not stand up and fight. And so hope is not just this thing of what we hope will be, this thing that can be in the future. Hope is more than that. It is an emotional investment in the events of your life that you believe good things will happen. Hope is something that helps us keep moving even when we want to stop. It's the kind of thing that lets us stand when everything around us is falling. Hope is that not only an idea, but it is a realization that no matter what's going on right now, it is not the end and it is not as bad as we want to give it credit. I'm not saying the refugee crisis isn't bad. What's happening in race relationships with our nation is not bad. They are bad, but I'm telling you, they are not the end. But those that fix their eyes on those things have found that much of our hope is based in things that, let's be honest, are not worthy of hope. My hope that we were 2-0 and today is, you know, exciting, but really not worthy of hope. 
It's not going to sustain me for my life. It's not going to make me go to work when I don't want to go to work. It's not going to make me want to get up and tell my kids I love them whenever I just want to stay in bed, right? UT ball won't do that. There are some people that live that way. And they've got, they're in their UT pajamas at home all the time. Don't live that way. Much of our hope is based in things that aren't worthy of hope. I shared before, one of my hopes when I was in high school was I went to college, I went to UT, and I, I got a business degree as well as uh, you know, about half a million of my closest friends, and uh, all our goals were the same, to be rich. Many of us set out in life because we believed that happiness came at something we could purchase, and so we wanted to be rich. That was a hope that could not sustain itself. There are many things that we hope in that are really not worthy of holding the position of hope. I hoped I would be a fighter pilot because, yes, I did grow up watching Top Gun. I, I'm not tall enough. I weigh too much. I can't see good enough, and my reflexes aren't that great. So it's good for our nation. I did not become a fighter pilot. All right? That was not a hope that could withhold that pressure. As we look through Scripture, what we find is that if you will begin in the beginning and go to the end, the entire thing is about hope. The entire Bible is about hope. From the beginning, in creation, God created all this, created us in His image, placed us in the garden, and said, hey, manage this. Multiply, fill the earth, take care of what I have created. And even when they fell... And we continue in that fall, God gave hope from that very beginning of a Savior. The entire Bible is about hope, and yet we live in a world that is losing hope in masses. So what has happened? How do we get this back? As we look through, we find that Jesus is very vocal about the kind of hope that you can have. And not only that, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that hope is not just an abstract idea. You need to be able to, at any moment, give an accounting of why you have hope. Why is that important? As soon as you meet somebody that has no hope, that becomes the most important story they can hear. Because when you don't have hope, you will just about do anything to get some hope. I know in in life, sometimes Deidre and I and our family, we have gone through difficult times. It may be difficult times because of health. It may be difficult times because of finances. And there have been times that I have, at, have felt almost hopeless. Most of the time that we feel hopeless, I believe, in our world today is when we don't believe our paychecks will stretch to meet our basic needs. We're going to lose our jobs. We can't take care of our families. There have been a lot of people that have a lot of sleepless nights because they're not sure they can make it, and so they begin to lose hope for the future. Suicide is an alarming rate continuing to rise because people are choosing, and since I can't have hope, I'm not going to live a life that is hopeless, so I'm just going to give up this life. Hope is huge, and yet we're losing it all around us. At the same time, we are going after so many dreams. We're trying for so many things. But can you, as a follower of Jesus, articulate the hope that you have in your life? 
First Peter chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to look at a few places. I think that we flashed up version. If you're new to Journey, you have a smartphone, you can install version on your phone, or you can go to uversion.com. You can actually follow along with my notes there if you would like. Uh, all the notes, not all, but most of the notes that I'm, you'll see on the screen will be um, in that as well. It's also a great place to just read Scripture. There are reading plans there. There's, if you have children, young children, there's actually a version for kids. That's an, it's like an animated um, Bible. It's really cool. So all that's on your phone if you want to go. Thanks. I think it's up now. So uh, if you want to go there, you can follow along. First Peter three chapter thirteen. Or sorry, First Peter chapter three verses thirteen through seventeen. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, "Now who is there to harm you if you are jealous for what is good? In other words, why be down if you are going after things that are good?" But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to give somebody a reason for the hope that's in you. Why do you have hope in life? Well, my 401k is looking pretty good. Well, that's great to everybody else whose 401k is also looking pretty good. But for anyone whose 401k is lacking, that's not good news. Well, I've got, I've got hope because UT's having a great season this year. We hope to say that at some point in this season. But what if you're an Alabama fan? I don't know why you would be. But that doesn't give you much hope. Amen. Are you able to articulate the hope that you have? Well, we're going to hope to help you do that over the next few weeks. And I want to give you just a few promises today. But four ideas we're going to try to get through this series. And the first one is this. Your hope is only as good as the foundation in which it is built. It is only as good as the foundation in which it is built. Bottom line. If you're looking for hope in this world, it will only be as good as a foundation on which it is built. So what you're placing your hope in, what you are hoping for, it does matter. Just having hope is not good enough. If you're struggling with hope because the finances are thin, I have found that if you have a plan for moving forward, that gives you hope even if the money is still the same. If you're struggling in a relationship, if there is a plan for it getting better, that hope sustains you and will move you and propel you forward to what is better. But it's got to be built on something that can support it. I have hope for my relationship with Deidre because I think I can turn her into what I want her to be. And you're laughing that no Deidre because you know that that hope is not founded in something that will be able to uphold it. <laughs> and more, more than likely, she will change me, not the other way around. But if her hope is built in the fact that she can change me, she's going to be very disappointed. Because I'm not easy to change either. So wherever you're building your hope in, if you can have hope, it can propel you to move you forward, but it must be able to withstand it long term. A lasting hope must be built on lasting promises. Promises that are broken cannot withstand hope. They cannot hold it for you. 
Promise, I'm giving you some quick promises. Promise number one, you can know this and know this is true and know this won't change. And that is that God loves you and he will rescue you. So I was praying about this series and this sermon thinking, God, what do you want me to say about, I mean, there's so, what do you, you have so much you can say about hope. What do you want me to say about hope? And overwhelmingly, I just continued to have this feeling to say, you need to just let people know I love them. You know, hope is built on the fact that God loves you. You didn't earn that love. God doesn't love you because of something you've done or because you're a lovable person. Because if we really want to be theologians, we'll come back to the bottom line and we read it all over in Romans. You and I are not lovable in and of ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make us lovable. So the fact that God loves us is a choice on his part, not based on my actions or your actions. So promise number one that you can go to the bank and your hope can be built on it will withstand this eternally is God loves you. He'll rescue you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've done it to. It doesn't matter how bad your thoughts are or how bad your actions are. God loves you. He will rescue you. That's promise number one. Psalm 130 says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. Again, what? can withstand or uphold the hope that we have. In his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than uh, watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. There is hope in the Lord and in his word. We have hope that God loves us. Another promise that we can know that it will withstand the test of time, is that God is capable of delivering on that hope. Now, regardless of what the world says, and I have, science cracks me up because science tells us that they've got the answer for all the things and that God never did anything, and yet there's always that thing that they can't explain. I think it's fantastic that God has worked in scientific principles that he has allowed us to discern, to figure them out. The fact that we know that an atom is a building block for matter doesn't mean that God didn't create the atom. But yet, for many of us, we question, is God capable of delivering hope? Many people are giving up on their faith because they have begun to believe that God does not care about them, does not love them, cannot deliver in their time of need. And so they're giving up. They're walking away. They're saying, I'm done. And yet, we go back to the reality that many of the things that we put hope in aren't worthy to be our hope. And we expect God to enforce those things. God, Oklahoma won. Are you kidding me? 17 to 3, we were up. Are you kidding me? And we laugh, but we do that all the time. Maybe not about football. But we do that about our relationships, about our job, about feeling happy in our lives. We do that about our health and our health begins to fail. We struggle with those things. We say, God, why did you not withhold the hope that I wanted? But it was not necessarily the hope that he wanted to have. But I want you to know the hope that he is promising, he is capable of delivering. One of my favorite chapters in scripture to read it whenever I get a little too big for my britches is Job 38, 39 and following. If you're not familiar with those, It's a great place where God basically puts Job in his place. And he says, hey, if you think you're all that great and I'm not, answer me this. 
Let me give you, I'm just going to give you a little snippet of this, but there's a lot more if you want to go search in this later. Job 38 verse 4 says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the sea with the doors and it burst out from the womb when i made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said thus far you shall come and no further and here shall your proud waves be stayed have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it Now, we can read this as a real snarky response from God to Job, uncaring, unloving. Or we can read it as God reminding Job that he is capable. He is capable. See, when we're ready to give up, God is capable. When we don't see a way out, God reminds us, I created all of this. I can help you with a way out. When we see that the consequences for our actions have imprisoned us and we believe there's no hope and no way out, God reminds us, hey, I set the seas where they would go. I put the mountains where they would go. The sun rises and falls based on my word. I can help you get out of this prison. God is capable. Are our hopes built on something that can sustain it? This is where we each individually have to process, what do I really believe about faith? What am I putting my faith in? And what we know over and over is that you will lose hope when you place it in the hands of someone or something that is incapable of sustaining it. And what is worse is once we get in a string of putting our hope in the wrong places and we're disappointed, then we stop believing that hope is possible at all. Once we've consistently given that up, you will lose it. Some of you have lost it. Some of you may be here looking for it. And you're not sure what the next step is going to be. Where have you placed your hope? A third promise is this. True hope is eternal. It's not short term. Now, there are lots of different kinds of hope. It is a very valid hope to think that the person you love will say yes when you ask them to marry you. That's a very valid hope. Ideally, once you're ready to ask that question, you should pretty much know the answer, hopefully. If you meet somebody, a stranger, and you're just smitten and you say, will you marry me? You may really hope that they'll say yes, and likely they'll say no. We all know that's true. But there are valid places for hope. I have hope for my children. There's a very valid hope for my children. You may have hope for your children. That's valid hope. For your children. However, the kind of hope that we're talking about that sustains us no matter what is the kind of hope that has to be eternal. There can't be an end to that hope in this life, it has to go on. True hope is eternal. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That just. That's just exciting to me, a living hope. Not some mind game that you have to come up with, not some trick you have to tell yourself whenever you're feeling down, but a living, alive 
hope that grows with you, that goes with you. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an in, <clears throat> excuse me, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while it's necessary. You've been grieved by various trials, and this is where some of you are living. There is a hope that's available. It's because of God's love for us. There is a hope that can be received by recognizing that He is our Savior. There is redemption that is offered to everyone who wants it. But we have made a mistake in the last few years of assuming that having hope or knowing Jesus means that life will be easy and without trials. And so it's great to preach sermons that says, if you'll just give your life to Christ, everything will be all right. Have no more problems, nothing else to worry about. Your sorrows will be taken away. And it's no time at all when you realize there's still trials in this life. Things are taken away. I lose things. My heart is broken. I'm disappointed still. And we forget that he says, you will have this hope even in spite of these trials, even in spite of this disappointment, even in spite of broken hearts, you can still have this hope that can sustain you and promise you something for the future. It's kept in heaven for you. Verse 7, so that the, he, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious, this precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can worship the one who gives us true hope. Over the next few weeks, as you're thinking through what is the hope that you have in your life, we're going to ask you to challenge some of your preconceived ideas of what hope is supposed to be. For many of us, we believe hope is supposed to be this thing that we just have. Hope is just supposed to sustain itself. Hope is just supposed to be there. Some of us believe that if we come to a worship service and the worship service gets us going emotionally, that that hope will be sustained. But that's not true. That's not what sustains hope. But I want you to start thinking through some of your preconceived ideas of what hope is. Hope must be built on a foundation that can uphold it. I think they're letting some of the kids go play early is what I think is happening because they've done that before. Anyway, that sounds like fun. We're going to join them in just a minute. All right. But I want, you to, I want you to challenge those. I want you to be thinking about what is the foundation that is holding your hope. A lasting hope, you need to know, is built on strong beliefs. What do you believe? What do you believe about yourself, about life, about God, about your future, about what is good? A lasting hope is built on strong beliefs. We're going to talk about that next week. Here is, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. And with this, we're going to talk more about this, the refugee crisis that's happening in our world. It's not just Syria. But a lasting hope is an active hope. See, many of us believe that hope is just supposed to be there and we don't have to do anything. And yet hope, by its very definition, must be active. 
It propels us. It moves us. It inspires us. And so some of us have lost hope because we let that hope just sit and we never exercised it. We never did anything with it. It never caused us to change anything, to do anything, to try anything. And so that hope just disintegrated because hope is meant to be active. It is propelled by your faith. And if it is not active, it will die. A lasting hope is an active hope. We've been talking about over the last few weeks, there are times that in order to realize the hope that you're looking for, you have to take a step. For some of you today, that step may be to finally say, you know, I have been placing my hope in all these other things. What I need is to place my hope in something that will not disappoint me. What I need is to place my hope in the hands that he did create the world. He did set the ocean where it would go and told it to stay there. He did put the mountains where it would go. A building's not going to fall. There's a water pressure valve that's got to be replaced. (laughs) If you're going, what is happening in this place? If it's a bad water valve, it'll be replaced in the next week or so. Freaks, Freaks you out when you're standing back in the hall really bad. The lasting hope is an active hope, and it's gotta, you've got to take a step. You've got to move with it. Well, last week, we're going to be talking about a lasting hope. It must be shared with others. And when Jesus said, I want you to be able to give an account for the hope that you have in your life, it was because he wanted that hope to spread to other people. Many times what we end up doing, and this is the way the world works today, is we just take care of me. As long as I'm taken care of, I'm not worried about them. And what happens when you do that is your faith begins to get smaller and smaller. God doesn't work when you're just concerned about you. God is concerned about others. And so our faith is not just active for us. Our faith is active with others. And we have to share that hope with other people. That's why he says, at any given moment, be able to give an account for the hope that you have that's in Christ Jesus. Now, that does not mean that had we won yesterday and someone said, Mark, why do you have hope? Because we beat Oklahoma. That is not going to help. Why do you have hope? Because I just got a raise. That does give you some hope, but that cannot be the lasting hope that your life is built on. It's got to be shared with others. Be ready to do that. Finally, If you take one thing away from this today, is that your hope is only as strong as the promises that uphold it. It will only be as strong as the promises that uphold it. What promises are you holding your life on? What promises are you building your faith? What promises have you decided, this is where I will plant my life? Are they able to withstand? uphold you, withstand those things? I know that faith in Christ is able. My prayer would be that if you have not made that decision, that you would, you would have that opportunity. For those of you who are kind of new to journey, I would encourage you that uh, along the way, what we do here in worship is a small part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I know it's cultural to come to a worship service, and that's kind of our expression of our faith. But I want you to know that one of the ways that we build hope is that we share our lives with each other. One of the ways we share our lives with each other is we spend time together. 
And one of the great ways that we can do that are through small groups. Small groups for us are one of those life-giving times when we have the opportunity to talk about what's going on in our week, what's going on with our kids, what's going on in our our lives and our minds, what we're struggling with, what we're celebrating. We get to do that with a group of friends, and we also get to study God's Word together and try to figure out what does that look like. So if you are in a small group, you need to know that those are starting back this week. Chaos management, you guys are starting back on Wednesday. If you're thinking, well, that sounds like me because we all have chaos somewhere. Chaos management is a group that meets here. They talk about all types of different life issues. Uh, And and so you are more than welcome to come and be a part of that. That's going to be 630 on Wednesday. For some of you who are interested in starting point, for many of you who are guests, this may be a good thing for you. Uh, It's where we kind of talk about who we are, what we're about, where we've come from, what we believe. But it's also a place where we give you some basic steps to grow in your faith, and then we'll take you through um, understanding spiritual gifts. For every person that follows Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into their life, and one of the things, just one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is impart into you a gift. We read about this place after place after place in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift, and the purpose of that gift is so you will share your hope with others. It is to influence and affect others, and so part of this next few weeks, few weeks on Wednesday nights and starting point are going to be an opportunity for you to find that. That's going to be Wednesday in this room at 6.30. We also have a new Tuesday night group that's starting, if you're interested, and that's going to be led by Stacy Hill and Chuck Lamaster. And that, there's a sign-up out here for that if you want to be. What time is that? Is Stacy in here? 6.30? Thank you, Donna. It's going to be Tuesday at 6.30. And is it here? It's here as well. So you can just come here Tuesday at 6.30. We've got two Sunday night groups. They're starting next Sunday because we're kind of busy this Sunday. (laughs) So we're going to start that next Sunday. I hope you guys will come back and you'll join us. Um, If if you have an opportunity next Saturday, you can join us. Uh, We're going to have a work day with Widow's Harvest. And we've had some great um, experiences with them, ladies that live in the city that just they, they don't have the resources to care for themselves. So we get to go and either paint or take care of their yard or whatever. It's a great opportunity just to invest in them. That's going to be next Saturday. You can see Kim Rogers um, about that. We'd love to have you come take part. Uh, If this is your first time, come back and see us again. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you some instructions before we pray because I know we're going to sing one more song and then you guys are going to be released. Uh, We've got all kinds of stuff going on out here in the parking lot. If you're leaving, if you wouldn't mind, go around the backside of the building and not through all this stuff, and uh, if you want to go home and change, come back. We've got lunch, we've got games, we've got um, water slides, we've got all kinds of fun stuff to do, so just come and hang out. If you've got some friends you'd like to invite that didn't come to the service, that is quite all right. Call them up, tell them to come on. We've got plenty for everybody, but we'd love for them to come and, and have fun this afternoon. We're glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of our opening service here at Foursquare, and uh, I hope that we'll see you again. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I thank you that you are a God who does promise hope. We're living in a world that is struggling to experience what that really looks like, ready to give up, not sure they're able to keep going. But Father, you have promised us that we can have a hope that can sustain us, and you are the foundation for that. Father, you have promised us that you love us. You have promised us that you will rescue us as we call out for you. Father, you have the power and you are capable 
of sustaining us. Father, help us to put our trust and our hope in you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift that we have through Jesus Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen.